From SLB Radio in Pittsburgh, Youth Express, the nation's first 24-7 radio station devoted to youth writing, music, and conversation. I don't know why some people look down on people who either give up on college or never go in the first place. There are people that just hate you because of your race or ethnicity, but we are definitely making progress. She's hungry for everything, the life within, trying to find her way around again. Looking and searching is what she's doing. So I followed my brother down to the riverbank, and we donned our skates. While Lev hurried, I tarried. While Lev trudged through the slush, I caught a flake on my tongue. My parents are from Bhutan. They migrate to Nepal, and I born there, and I moved here in the U.S. So it's a long journey to get here. On today's episode, a discussion on standardized testing for college admissions. But first, two students at Pittsburgh Brashear get to know each other better through a game of questions from a hat. Hi, my name is Daniel. I go to Brashear High School. I'm 17. Hi, my name is Rashawn. I'm in 11th grade. I go to Brashear High School. Today, we're answering questions in a hat. What has been your most difficult challenge? How did you manage it? Are you different because of that challenge? I have to deal with not trying to smack everybody. Every morning, people act like it's the end of the world if they don't get in the first line in the morning. So I have people push me in my back, push me to the side. I'm like, it's not that serious. We're all going to get upstairs. Yeah, it's just dealing with people. Everyone will always be annoying all the time. She says some people I can put up with more than others. I mean, you're annoying and somehow I'm friends with you. I just don't know how. I know. It's crazy, right? What's your challenge, buddy? People assuming I'm white. I am full Puerto Rican, but I look white. But, um, you know, I kind of don't care now. Like, yeah, like, they think I'm white. just, all right. Next question. All right, Daniel, I want you to answer this one first. Let's go. Describe the most exciting dream you've ever had. I had a dream and I was like, what, in like, I think it was like ninth grade or something? Something happened to like my parents and my sisters when it was just me, right? So like, I made like a time machine kind of. And I went like three years back into the future. Three years back into the future. And I was like in elementary school again. It wasn't two of me though, like like with the time travel thing. I didn't tell my mom what was going to happen though or anybody was going to happen. But like, I wasn't there for like a whole day or like a whole week. I was only there for like 30, 20 minutes. So, like, I like I hugged my mom, I spent time with her, and then I had to leave. But, like, to me, I, I was leaving, but to them, I was just going to the backyard. It was so crazy. And, like, I still remember that dream perfectly to this day. But, like, I'm still trying to figure that out. Now, see, if you could remember how you built that time machine, if there was any actual science behind it. That's the thing, though. I do remember. <laughs> bro, I remember, like, every, it's the way, I remember, like, every detail of that dream, bro. It's crazy. What's your um, answer to that question that you tried to read? It was a dream inside of a dream. I had that once. Like, you think you're awake. Punch yourself in the stomach. Yeah, like, I'm awake. You be getting scared, too. Like, yo, like, if I'm still dreaming, it's scary because, like, it feels so real. Like, yo. First part of the dream was the puppet from Goosebumps. Oh, no. <laughs> Which is, like, running around, running away from him. Then I got caught. I woke up. I was in my bed. I looked around. I turned on the light. Giant bugs all on my wall and in my bed. And then I woke up again, and I was like, I don't know if I'm actually awake or not. You know what I would do when, I, when did that happen to me? Eat some food. 
That's what I did. No, if I woke up and I saw bugs all over my wall in my bed, you know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, hammer time. Hammer time. Would you rather climb a mountain or live at sea for a year and why? Say live at sea? Yes, live at the sea for a year. Uh, Explain your reason. Thank you. Four sentences, at least five paragraphs. Mountains, because I can't swim. (laughs) (laughs) And if something happened, I can't get out. For a year? Yeah, mountains for a year. Climb a mountain for a year? Yes. Mm. Live at sea for a year. I'm going to do a Mythbusters. On today's episode, can we find a mermaid? What is your greatest fear? Answer now. Death. Wow. <laughs> wow. I don't know. Anyone who says I'm not afraid to die is lying. I mean, you know, my time comes, my time comes. All I know is that in my funeral, I have to be set up like this. I'm going out a rock star. Playing your raps at your funeral? My funeral finna be Letty. Spiders. It's like, it's like the legs that freak me out. Spiders are dope, though. Thank you for turning into our productions. We've been answering questions here with Ben. Tune in next time on, on Youth, Youth Express. Express. All youth, youth all, all the, the time. time. Comment now. Tell us what your biggest fear is. If you don't, you're not a true fan. Involve some questions of your own. Keep it PG-13. Have a nice day. Thank you. On our last segment, students from Pittsburgh, Obama, with arguments against standardized testing for college admissions. I'm Sam Bisno. Hello, I'm Isaac Dagenholtz. Hi, I'm Amanda Jones. You know, we've been talking about education and civil rights and, and how the two sort of connect and overlap. And so, you know, as seniors, I think we can relate to the stresses of standardized testing, but I think that those stresses are a lot more pointed and appreciable for certain people than they are for others. And, you know, there are a bunch of statistics to back this up, so I'll just read you a few of them. So let's take, for example, the SAT math section. African Americans average a 428 out of 800, um, whereas white uh, people, white Americans average a 534, Asians average a 598. And when you look at the top scores in the math section, uh, 60% are Asian, 33% are white, and only 2% are black, 5% Latino. And this is just isn't in math. Uh, there's also a lot of studies, in particular a 2011 landmark study that showed that even if African-Americans and uh, white students have similar academic standing, that the vocab words that the SAT tests are geared towards white people, the white people are more likely to recognize those words. Um, and that in the experimental questions that are included at the end of the test that are sort of like, well, we're considering using this for next test, um, that a lot of times the questions that African-Americans score better on are the ones that get scrapped and the ones that uh, white students, in particular white male students, score better on are the ones that get included in the next round of tests. Um, and so we see that there's a real just inherent disadvantage in the standardized testing system that we place so much emphasis on as we talk about, you know, what we're doing after high school. I think this speaks a lot to when we talk about like institutionalized racism. This is like really one of the things that like a prime example, because like the SATs has become so prevalent in like everything like this is like what people characterize as like part of the high school experience is like the stress of the SAT. And it's what so many colleges like look for nowadays. And they want these 
these ridiculous scores from kids, you know, 1400, like a 1500, you need to get like a 750 on the math. And, you know, when you look at the, the median restrictions for some school and how the scores they want kids to get, how some it's just, you know, it's not possible. This is kind of where the cycle might start, that you don't do well on the SAT because it's racially biased, and then maybe you're not going to the top-tier college that you want to go to, and then you're no longer getting a top-paid job, and then you no longer have as much money. You can't support political candidates who will make change, and then it goes back, and it goes back. And when stuff like that happens, then we can see how you have an economic divide. You have a, like an achievement gap because of tests like the SAT. And I think, you know, in particular, when you look at what schools look at uh, with the SAT, a lot of times the English is sort of an umbrella category that every school looks at, but there are particular schools that pay specific attention to the math section. Um, STEM-oriented schools like to see you have a high math score. Um, a lot of times you have to take SAT subject tests that are heavy in math. And we've seen that African-Americans perform much lower in math. And so that sort of begins this cycle that we were talking about earlier with African-Americans not entering STEM STEM jobs and STEM getting STEM degrees. And you can see where this cycle starts. So I think it's important, and this is sort of moving into the second segment of this conversation, I think it's important that we're seeing a number of schools start to ease the emphasis on the SAT and the ACT and standardized testing in general. And at least for me, that seems like a step in the right direction. I personally... Most of the schools, except for one, all of the schools I applied to were test optional schools. It was really important to me that I looked at those only schools because yeah, I have really strong opinions about the SATs and how they don't tell you anything about the, the general intelligence of a kid. It doesn't tell you how well they do in a classroom setting, how they learn from other people, how other people can learn from them, what they actually know. It, it tells you how well you can take a test and how well you can take a test designed to confuse you and that, you know, that doesn't speak to the general intelligence of a kid and what they know and what they could possibly learn. And there's been so much emphasis on this test and how you get money, you can get money from it, like depending on your score, it, it ties into these merit-based scholarships that you that you um, have to qualify for, and there's like a medium SAT score that they want you to meet, and if you don't meet it, you're missing a lot, missing out on a lot of these scholarships. So you are finding yourself at an economic disadvantage when applying to schools, and like we see that the prices are rising, and a lot of people don't have the money for it. Like originally, people said the SAT is a predictor for success in college. We're going to use this test to predict success. But a lot of universities, and GW included, has, have done studies about does the SAT predict the success of students? And what GW found in particular is that no, there was no correlation between success of students and their score on the SAT. And because of that, they went test optional. And like another good thing about test optional is it raises the diversity on college campuses. Besides HBCUs, almost every campus is majority white, and it could be so far into the 70% majority white, even at colleges that consider themselves diverse. And I think that's kind of embarrassing, and part of the reason that colleges are like that is because of the SAT and because they say, well, we want to be diverse, but we can only admit people who have above a 1,400, above a 1,500. And I think that we saw some efforts by, like, for instance, the College Board to like remedy the SAT or what they thought was remedying the SAT by implementing what they called an adversity score, which would basically give you a leg up if they deemed your your school um, or your situation to be uh, adverse to scoring well on the SAT. 
but that was scrapped, and I think rightly so, because first of all, they were very vague with the criteria that they were using for determining the adversity score. And what they did reveal, it was pretty clear that they weren't capturing really um, the income or education level of your parents, which a lot of times is determinative to how you'll do on the SAT. Um, and so I think that the solution just needs to be getting rid of it altogether. Uh, I think that it's, like others have been saying, it's been proven that it doesn't work. I don't think that changing the existing structure is really what we need to be doing. And I can tell you personally, as a student who spent hours and hours studying for it, that I could have been doing a lot more productive things than studying for an arbitrary test that has no real predictors for success. And also, um, just speaking to that, we said everything starts young. And I know um, if we're just talking about like our school, like Obama, most of my friends have jobs. So it became this problem that they weren't able to study after school because a lot of us do work nights because we're saving for things or there's certain things that like we, ha- we have to pay for and we're working and we're not able to like, take those hours to be able to study. And there's also like there's become people are making money off kids. You know, when I was you know entertaining the idea of having a, like a tutor for the SATs and I was looking like the the rates at which they were charging like $100 an hour for a tutor for the SAT. I mean, that's ridiculous, but they're profiting off kids in how like this test is like becoming pivotal to, you know, how you like what school you go to and the money that you get in order to stay there. And it's just, it's just become the system. It's like over and over again, you don't have the money, you don't have the support, you can't afford a tutor, your score is low enough, it like it impacts everything. Yeah, and I think going back to Sam's point about the adversity score, one of my other issues is that they refused to actually change the test. That they they said, oh, we're going to make it so it looks fair, that maybe it's fair, but they said, we're not actually going to change the test. We know there's something wrong, but we are going to refuse to actually change what's going on. So I think as we get to the closing of our recession, the kind of call would be to universities and colleges to to think hard about going test optional and realizing that this is a better way to to capture high quality students in a more fair and equitable way. And by doing this, you can raise your diversity and you can raise just the diversity of thought at schools and the intelligence of the students at your schools. I mean, I completely agree with that. I think that schools will all tell you that the SAT is not determinative. So put your money where your mouth is and stop using it. Yep. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Youth Express. Youth Express is made possible with support from the Henry L. Hillman Foundation, the Pittsburgh Penguins Foundation, and the 33 Foundation, and was produced by SLB Radio Productions. Learn more at youthexpress.org. Youth Express. Catch the future.